0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women and I am Laurie McGraw. There has been so much discussion of late about the global supply chain shortage of baby formula and a lot of focus on women um, with young children. And so I'm excited this morning to be speaking with Amanda Gorman. She is the founder of the NEST Collaborative and as a pediatric nurse practitioner, she founded the NEST Collaborative, which is focused on improving maternal child health. Um, And it's a preventative lactation telehealth program. We'll be talking about that this morning. Amanda, thank you for being on Inspiring Women. Thanks, Lori. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invite. All right. Well, let's get started. I always start off Inspiring Women talking about what what you're doing right now. So what does day-to-day look like for you as the founder of Nest Collaborative?
1: Oh, goodness. Great question. Uh, Well, here we are in early June, and we've been experiencing this national infant feeding crisis with respect to a formula shortage. So day-to-day over the last six weeks um, has really been uh, dealing with an immense amount of growth and demand for our services. So we have been actually running out of our consult appointment availability, uh, which is fairly new for us. So just really trying to keep up and make sure that our providers are there for the families in need. Um, and at the same time, we're actually currently fundraising at the same time. So it's been a, a, a balance and a juggle, um, but grateful for it all.
0: Well, workforce shortage is, uh, you know, a different type of shortage. We'll talk about that. Cause I'm interested to understand what it means to be a lactation consultant, but first let's focus on you, Amanda. So from pediatric nurse practitioner to femtech pioneer, how did, how did this happen? Give us a little bit of the career journey here.
1: Uh sure. Yeah, so I I started my career in the ER in New York City and spent about 8 years as an ER nurse. Uh landed myself in the Bay Area after traveling uh as an ER nurse and eventually finished my APRN uh out at UCSF in pediatrics and started my career there uh in a clinic where we saw newborn babies who were only a few days old uh, and really just saw them for about 10 minutes of you know, on day of life two or three to get a weight and a bilirubin. Uh, Those are data points that we follow over the first week or two of an infant's life. And so these were short visits. We were just getting the data to make sure they were trending appropriately. And I would hand baby back to almost every mother who would then look at me with engorged breasts and say, can you help me feed the baby? And I realized I had absolutely no idea how to help them breastfeed their baby. And I thought scratching my head, why on earth don't I know this? This is such an essential component of growing and developing a healthy human Uh, and realized it just wasn't part of my curriculum as a pediatric provider, and realized I wasn't alone. Uh, the pediatric attending physicians and OBs also cite uh, they have no no training or inadequate training. And I thought, well, geez, here we are promoting breastfeeding. We've got all these families trying, and we really are leaving them hanging with the respect to support and, and guiding them through it. Um, so that was kind of the first experience I had in, in this problem. And then of course it was me, uh, as a mom, three years later, trying to breastfeed myself. And that's when it really hit home and became personal. Um, and here I was fairly well resourced, you know, when you look at kind of uh, the average family, I was a healthcare provider. I was living in San Francisco, which is a fairly breastfeeding friendly and supportive location. I birthed at a very, um, you know, the pinnacle of prevention in terms of uh, services and programs for families, uh, in San Francisco, and I had the cash to pay out of pocket uh, to have a lactation consultant come to my house, which many families don't have that option. And it still was um, quite a struggle. I did it three years later on the East Coast and it's the same story. And so that's really when I kind of looked uh, at what what the issue was and what problems uh, could we potentially solve and out came Nest Collaborative. (laughs)
0: okay so let's so you know it's just interesting to me you know as a mother and I will just say a million years ago when I had my children in Vermont in the dead of the winter you know I think that most people think that breastfeeding is a fairly easy experience and why does anyone need any help or support in order to do it I can tell you that wasn't my experience it was you know I, I too as a well-resourced young mother at the time um, you know felt the the i don't know just concern and not being able to do it well and i was in vermont that too is a heavy breastfeeding friendly um state uh so i'm very interested in this business just my own personal you know i think could have been helpful back in those sort of you know dead of the winter you know times when you're crying but Talk about starting a business is one thing to be a care provider and, you know, set in a profession. It's a completely different thing to start a new organization um, and with a technology background, which I don't think is what your background, um, you know, is in.
1: Uh, no, it is not. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's been a it's been a wild ride. Um, I started the company in January of 2017. So just over five years ago. Um, and and I'll be honest, never intended to grow it into what it is today um, and was relatively thinking small. Um, I was in Maryland at the time and was thinking in terms of of a solution for families that that was more accessible um, and was mitigating a couple of the barriers I saw to easy access to care uh, for both pediatric care and lactation. Um, And really, I'll be very honest, used Google uh, for the learning I really needed, which was what are the basic building blocks for a business? Um, not only how do you actually start a business in a state so establishing um, a tax id number and a bank account you know those logistics which are fairly easy to resource um but how to how to create a viable business um which again are also relatively simple building blocks um you know and learning kind of what the problem is i'm trying to solve uh what is the solution i have uh is it differentiated? How is it different or better uh, than the other uh, options that are out there? And, and the most important piece is, um, is there a business model? Will, will someone buy your product or your service? And if so, who? Um, and I'd be lying if I said most of this lying, I mean, learning didn't come from the internet, um, me, myself, you know, and I sitting in an office with my, my one-year-old. Um, but then eventually, you know, I started looking into other resources, uh, particularly for women, for women founders. Um, and those came in the form of, um, crowdfunding curriculums that really kind of helped you, uh, speak, speak out about your idea. Um, women tend to suffer from what's called imposter syndrome. Um, And certainly someone who doesn't come from a business background or tech, you know, I kind of doubled down on that imposter syndrome thinking what kind of provider am I, if I'm pivoting into this new world and not really staying true to my training and my education. Um, But I knew there was a need and I knew that this had the potential to really improve Health outcomes for women and, ch- and children.
0: Uh, and which- you also you also focus on a particular type of professional, these lactation consultants. So in this um, area, you needed a, a certain type of workforce part of your business. So, so can you give us a little bit about that? Like what is a lactation consultant? Is that a certified professional? You know, who who can be a, a, a lactation consultant? What do they do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is a, a provider of um services geared towards families who in some way, shape or form are providing breast milk uh, to an infant or older, Um, they have several tiers of entry similar to nursing you have uh, LPNs and LVNs and RNs who come in uh, with different points of education so similarly you have um, Certified lactation consultants who come in the form of certified breastfeeding specialists, um, certified lactation specialists. And then the kind of the pinnacle and the gold standard is what we call uh, the International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And the acronym is IBCLC. And they are certified by the IBCLE, uh, which is a, a national certifying body. Uh, they go through uh, at minimum 90 didactic hours of education in addition to up to 1000 clinical hours of mentorship.
0: And did you, and did you know about this type of, um, professional What you know, as when you were taking care of patients as a pediatric nurse practitioner? I mean, you know, just, uh, it sounds like that was not sort of, you know, well embedded in the delivery of care to these new mothers. Absolutely.
1: And, and that therein was a problem. Um, we had very, very few lactation consultants available to us. Um, in general, there's, there's, very few that are available in outpatient pediatrics or um, OBGYN practices. And even in the large hospital I was working with, the one who was available was on the postpartum floor, helping women who had just delivered, helping those little babies latch. So we would try to um, get her to come over to our outpatient children's clinic, but it was kind of chasing her down on the phone. And then oftentimes these mothers were waiting 90 minutes, two hours in the clinic if they could come over. So they were there, um, but, but one of the underlying Lying problems with with breastfeeding in the U.S. is that we have a complete shortage of these providers with only about half of the recommendation um, that the Surgeon General makes. uh, They recommend there be about eight IBCLCs per 1,000 babies born, and we have just shy of four available. So um, they're hard to come by.
0: Yeah. And Amanda, you know, I'm curious, just, you know, I think for most people, um, it seems pretty natural and should be therefore easy um, breastfeeding, have a baby breastfeed seems like a natural cycle. Um, I've read statistics as high as almost half of mothers have, have challenges in this area. What's the real science and data from your perspective?
1: So I I think it's dependent on how you define struggle. Um, I think in some cases you'll find over 70% of women struggle uh, because what defines a problem, right? You know, Women are not supposed to breastfeed and have pain. Um, And I think you'll ask most uh, women who do try that there is pain associated with at least those early days. And that's the point at which you really want the lactation consultant to come in and make the fix um, before a little pain turns into a lot of pain and turns into a real problem. So absolutely, I think the issue is we didn't have women kind of talking about this as much as we really needed to. Um, So women going into birth and breastfeeding aren't as informed as they should be. And therefore when they're confronted with breastfeeding problems, it's kind of like you're smacked in the face. You weren't expecting it. You do expect this to be natural. You haven't really heard that there can be problems. Uh, Even providers, I I don't think are sharing as much as they should be on the front end prenatally, um, how important it is to have supports, have lactation supports at the ready, because it is highly likely that between latching issues, weight loss issues, jaundice uh, in that early newborn period, supply changes, going back to work, starting solids, women don't know how much breast milk versus how much pureed foods. I mean, there's so many points um, where you run into questions and concerns um, that I, I don't think women are as informed as they should be.
0: You know, it also just seems, I mean, look, there's, there's just, you know, intense pressure, it seems, you know, for um, mothers you know, and, and newer mothers um, to have the perfect outcomes for their children and whether that's sort of all the apps to measure every little thing about your child, you know, when you are um, pregnant to that, it just seems that, you know, breastfeeding at least, you know, what I've seen in terms of the discussions, um, women, another place for them to be perfect, so that it's seventy percent from what you're saying of women who have um, not an issue but a struggle or a concern. That's a pretty high amount. So it sounds like you're providing both services that you know help the mothers with the um, breastfeeding itself, but also probably just support for what are you know pretty personal questions um, that that are out there. How do you train? How do you train your team members? So we, we do a good amount
1: of vetting and screening to make sure that the IBCLCs that come on to our team, um, A, have the, the right amount of skills of experience to be able to provide evidence-based care. Um, at the end of the day, we need to ensure that we are using up-to-date guidelines. We are using the research and the science um, to impart the knowledge that families need to make their decisions um, and that, you know, our team doesn't sit on the left or the right in terms of breast is best or fed is best. It's we inform families to make their own informed decisions on how they wanna feed their baby. They indicate to us what their decisions are and our job is to help them safely achieve those goals. And so that's at the forefront of what we wanna show uh, on our IBCLC team. And you know, hopefully we bring on team members that also wanna grow. Uh, and the beauty that we, I think are providing to our IBCLCs uh, in the form of training is the large volume of patients we get from all over the U.S. So where an IBCLC who uh, was localized in one state or geography providing in-person services for 20 years. They may have only seen a very small subset of the actual U.S. population. And through telehealth and through NEST, we're able to connect IBCLCs with all sorts of families, uh, all sorts of dynamics, cultures, uh, health backgrounds, really interesting case studies that they may not have otherwise seen. So it's really important that we bring on trained uh, providers, but also continue to aid in their growth uh, as professionals.
0: Well, Amanda, you certainly have a lot of knowledge about um, sort of, you know, this area and the medicine and the care delivery. Let's talk about building a company. Okay. So you are self-educated by Google um, in <laughs> terms of being a business entrepreneur, femtech pioneer, and um, the company is growing. I mean, you've done a series A, you've um, you've raised some money. You said you're in fundraising right now. Tell us about the building of the company. What was hard? What was easy? Um, yeah, absolutely. And deal? Dealing with an explosion of um, need.
1: No, absolutely. Um, and and just to clarify, we are currently raising our Series A, um, which I'm I'm so grateful for uh, because fundraising is not easy. Um, you know, you, for one, you're you're convincing people uh, that you have an idea for which they should write you millions of dollars for, uh, which to me was absolutely bizarre. Um, and like I said, you know, I started out on a small crowdfunding platform for women. Um, it's called I fund women. Uh, and it was the first, um, time I really had to get out there and tell people what I was doing and why, and why it was important and what the potential impact was. And, and this was really for friends and family to write a $50 check. Um, but, but getting that comfort level and that mastery of, believing in what you're doing, uh, to be able to speak about it with conviction, it is absolutely step one. Um, because from what I've heard over and over uh, on the investor side is that they, they're really investing in teams. They're investing in the people, um, over than, than what they're selling. Um, but you know, a, a increasing, you know, exposure to to how to how to fundraise. You know, there's programs like incubators and accelerators where you can go into programs that are four to six to eight weeks and they kind of help you identify spaces in your, your business model that need a little um, more leveraging over others. So you may have a great product that a lot of people want to buy, but you don't know how to market it. Um, or you have a great marketing background and everyone wants to buy your product, but you have a supply issue. So those types of programs certainly help, um, but by far uh, you need traction. You need to show you have both of those things. You, you have People who want to buy your product, um, a product that's better than what's out there, and um, you have an ability to bring it to those people um,
0: uh, into the market uh, in in the right way. well, you definitely sound like a skilled and professional entrepreneur now in terms of talking <laughs> about the business plan. So great, great self-education. At some point, you've been growing on so much at Nest, you brought on a CEO. So tell us about that. You know, what, what? how did you make the decision that you wanted additional help in the business that you founded?
1: Sure. Well, so, you know, with the pandemic came an instantaneous education in the market of what telehealth was. Um, and for us, it, it meant that women were all of a sudden overnight Googling virtual breastfeeding support for those women who were about to give birth and, and anxious that they weren't be uh, going to be able to see their providers. And so what that ha- and with that, we had this influx of volume overnight. And before I knew it, I had a very quickly growing company um, and the funding to go with it. And in realizing that I had to assess where my biggest value to the company was. And I can tell you my biggest value has been on the clinical side. And on the payer side, we bill insurance companies for our services. They oftentimes don't want to pay. And I have um, really honed my skills over the last four years on making sure that um, insurances are covering these services for our patients. What I didn't know was how to grow and manage a team. Um, And and those are essential skills for uh, leading a company. And so we came to a point where I said, you know what? Um, I want this company to succeed. And in order to do that, we have to have the right people in the right seats. And and it it wasn't a difficult move for me to, to kind of relinquish that seat as CEO, because it meant that the company had had the direction and and the continued tailwinds to to keep going in the direction we were going, and I was going to be sitting where I was most comfortable and felt most utilized um, to help us get there.
0: How did you choose the CEO? What was most important to you in having somebody as your partner? I'm assuming um, in terms of leading something that's you know obviously you know to use a term your baby.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, going back to those those learnings and finding the right networks of learning how to build a business, I was really fortunate to be a part of a a, a network called Springboard Springboard Enterprises, um, which is really focused on on female founders, and you know ha- had met a lot of great contacts along the way. Um, with that, I knew the type of CEO we needed because it needed to really be complementary uh, to me. We certainly didn't need to duplicate um, skill sets. Uh, so I was very fortunate to have a network where I could go and say, okay, I, I, I do want someone who has the healthcare knowledge I do want someone who has that kind of women's health, maternal health, um, but I was most fortunate that I had a network that already had those people in it. Um, and so we ended up bringing on a woman named Judith Nowlin, uh, who joined the team in November, and she's been exactly the comp- you know what the company needed. Um, she's been able to come in and provide operative skills um, that I certainly don't have. And we joke that we really are kind of a yin and yang. Um, And, and another metaphor we use is kind of the break and the accelerator. Um, You know, I'm the go, go the visionary, the let's do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And let's be bold. Um, And then she kind of tempers with the break and says, okay, um, we need order and organization (laughs) and spreadsheets and all the things, all the things that I, I won't do, but the company absolutely needs. So, you know, it, it's, it, I got very, very lucky. The company got very, very lucky. Um, and, and I feel very fortunate.
0: Well, the, you know, it's interesting you say Springboard. I'm a big fan of Springboard Enterprises and do some advising um, in some of some of their groups. So that's just great, Amanda. And also, you know, how you're growing. Spreadsheets are important for growing a company, <laughs> just FYI. Amanda, as we close out on this conversation, I really am enjoying it. Any closing um, advice for um, women who are beginning businesses as they aspire to um, sort of follow a similar path as Nest?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, something that it took me a while to get comfortable doing—talking uh, about what you're doing, but networking and not being sh- not being shy to knock on someone's door. Um, you know, I, blind outreach or non-consensual networking. Um, people surprisingly really want to help and and provide information. Women to women, help is is amazing. I ha- I have received so much. From my female networks, um, so much that I have to, and I have to give back soon because I'm so I'm so the taker. Um, but utilize those networks, um, meet people, find the resources, be tenacious um, because it's it's what we have to do. We've got a bigger fight <laughs> than our counterparts. So um, I, I just encourage people to be bold and and not be shy.
0: Well, that is terrific advice. And Amanda, I really appreciate this conversation. This has been an inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Amanda Gorman and Amanda, thank you so much. And thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and hopefully we're empowering others out there. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.